Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad to have you here with us this morning in the flesh. Boy, you made it out. Uh, the first big snowstorm for us, not that big, but uh, for the first one, it's big enough, right? For those of you listening online, a special welcome this morning as well. Thanks for chiming in as we start this new series during this Christmas season called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I want to take you back a few years. What happened January 14th, 2018? January 14th, 2018. Let me give you a little hint. It was a Sunday. It happened between noon and 3.30. Woo! Yeah, right. Minnesota Miracle. The Minnesota Miracle, you're coming and getting there. Case Keenum hits Stefan Diggs, right, for the divisional title, which puts the Minnesota Vikings into the NFC championship against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now you remember it, right? You remember even where you were during that day. That day, Case Keenum's name became famous over the NFL for that week, at least, maybe, right? <laughs> for that week. It was so interesting. I was listening to K-Fan, you know, that week and that, and, you know, their neighbors around them, the Keenums, were so, uh, you know, thinking, man, this is it. Minnesota Miracle, I mean, we're heading to the Super Bowl. It's obvious. And so the neighborhood that lived around Case Keenum all divided up different chores like, hey, you bring in their mail for them. You know, you bring in and out their garbage can and that. We don't want case slipping on the ice. We don't want anything to happen, you know. Hey, you guys snow blow and, and do a sidewalks and all that kind of stuff. Everybody was like, you know, we got to take care of this guy. Nothing can happen, right? Because it's our year, right? Well, obviously, they didn't make it through Philly and that kind of stuff. But it gives us this picture, and where I want to go with this is this idea about, have you ever had a famous person live in your neighborhood by you? That where, like, you recognize them, and you watch them a little bit. I was down in Nashville this last fall at a friend's, and uh, he lives in this upscale neighborhood of Nashville, and driving out of his neighborhood, he's like, oh yeah, there's a, you know, ex-NFL quarterback lives over here, and NHL hockey players over there, and this, you know, country music singer, she lives right here, and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, and it sort of drew me back to my high school days when I lived in Brookfield, Minnesota, just outside of Milwaukee. In Brookfield, Don Nelson, who was the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks at the time, lived in Brookfield. He lived about two miles from me. But if anybody asked, you know, uh, you know, about Don Nelson, I'd say, oh, yeah, he lives in my neighborhood. You know, he lives in my neighborhood. You know, he's two miles away or whatever. I did go to school with his kids. I was in his house, that kind of stuff. But, you know, you know how that is. And I'll, I'll tell you how that is. You know Joe Maurer, right, from the Twins, right? Retired catcher and that. Where does Joe Maurer live? He lives by us, doesn't he? He lives up north here, right? By us, right? We'll tell people, oh yeah, Joe lives, lives by me, right? I mean, if you're from Bram, Joe lives in Bram. I mean, if you're from Stanchfield, yeah, Joe lives in Stanchfield. You know, if you're from Rush City, you're like, oh yeah, Joe lives in Rush City by me, right? I mean, we like to claim this like that, hey, this famous person lives by us. 
Why? Because, you know, neighbors matter, right? Now, by the world's standards, I don't have, you know, the, phone, the, the most famous neighbors that live around me down the road here, but they're great neighbors. I mean, they're happy neighbors, and they're super helpful neighbors as well when I am in need in that. You know, it's been really a great last couple of years because just kitty corner to me, a new neighbor moved in, and the guy's a plumber, I mean, who doesn't need a plumber, right? That kind of stuff. And across from me, a new neighbor moved in, and he's an HVAC guy, you know, heating and air conditioning, and then plus he knows cars. I mean, two doors down from me is a guy that used to own a manufacturing plant. I mean, he's got every tool you can imagine, and, and he's more than happy to let you use the tools. And man, guys, if you think that's awesome, my neighbor right next door to me, though, he works for Frito-Lay. I can get any kind of chip for the big game I want. You talk about having great neighbors right there. There it is. I mean, our neighbors are happy and they're helpful, right? And hopefully they view me that way as well. But this leads me into this whole Christmas series called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right in the middle of the word Emmanuel is the word man. God came down as a man in his son, Jesus. Okay? Matthew 123, the angel said to Joseph, the virgin, Mary, will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, God came out of his heaven, his neighborhood, and moved onto our earth, into our neighborhood to dwell among us. I mean, God with us in the flesh, his son, Jesus. I mean, think about it. This is significant. We talked about what it would be like to have a famous person live in your neighborhood, right? Well, here we have God, like the God, not the little G gods that we make up, or even the God of like, you know, Buddha or Muhammad or Joseph Smith of Mormonism or Confucius. I mean, we're talking about the only God, the big G God, comes and he moves into our neighborhood. This is what the prophet Isaiah said about this Emmanuel, this man, Jesus, our neighbor. In Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I mean, look at that resume. It's incredible. Wonderful counselor. I mean, the wisest, most caring person moves in next door to you. Mighty God, most powerful person moves in next door to you. Everlasting Father. I mean, he ain't moving out of the neighborhood. Everlasting is like, he's there. He's moved in. You know, you've moved to places, right? And you meet your neighbors and you're like, how long have you lived here? 75 years. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, you've lived here a long time. I mean, 
Our Father, everlasting. Like, he's moving in and he's with us, right? And then the Prince of Peace. Man, when he's around, the neighborhood and yourself are more at peace. This neighbor unloaded his U-Haul from heaven and came across our lawn and said, hey, let me introduce myself. I am the wonderful counselor. I am the everlasting father. I am the mighty God, prince of peace. I'm Jesus. And hey, if you need anything, you just let me know, right? Man, who doesn't need a neighbor like that, like Jesus? And so each week during this month of December, we're going to be looking at the different aspects of our neighbor, Jesus, who moved in into our neighborhood. And today I want to look at the whole idea of prince, not prince of peace, but of wonderful counselor. And so what does the word wonderful mean? The word wonderful means in the Hebrew, a miracle, a marvel, or a wonder. It indicates that something is extraordinary. Something is incomprehensible, amazing. This is how this counselor is to us. Wonderful counselor. What does counselor mean? Pretty obvious. It means one who advises us, counsels us, devises a plan for us, helps us to understand purpose for our life. And so this wonderful counselor. But what makes Jesus qualified as a wonderful counselor for us? I mean, if you had a neighbor that moved in next door to you, and they came across the lawn and you're talking and you ask them, well, what do you do? And they say, hey, I'm a wonderful counselor, right? You'd be like, well, what's your credentials? I mean, seriously, right? I mean, where'd you go to school? I mean, where'd you get your master's? Where'd you get your PhD? I mean, how long have you worked in this field? I mean, where do you work? I mean, what kind of people do you counsel anyways? Well, I counsel Vikings fans. I mean, it's just, it's not, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got small groups on field goals. Um, then, no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, you would ask him, right? I mean, if he walks in and says, yeah, I'm a wonderful counselor. Well, tell me your credentials. Why is that? So what qualifies Jesus as a wonderful counselor for us? Well, what qualifies him is that Jesus is both God and he's man. He's both God and he's man. So he gets us because he's just not God who is up in the heavens. He is God who moved into our neighborhood as a man. And so he gets us. In Hebrews 4.15, it says this. For we do not have a high priest counselor who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. He gets us. He understands us. You know, when I ask a neighbor for help with my car, he gets it. Why? Because he has a car. He gets it. It's just like, Jesus, he gets us. Why? Because he lived as we have lived. 
among us. But he's qualified as well because Jesus is the source of all wisdom. In Isaiah 11, 2, it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Did you get those qualifications of his wisdom? I mean, he has all wisdom, understanding. It says he has counsel, he has knowledge. I mean, when I ask my neighbor to help me with my car, what am I doing? I'm asking him for wisdom that's greater than mine. And that's what Jesus provides us because he's moved into the neighborhood. A wisdom that is greater than ours. And so Jesus is qualified as this wonderful counselor because Jesus is both God and man. He gets us because Jesus is the source of all wisdom. His wisdom is greater than our wisdom. And also Jesus is our true helper. He's not just man, but he's the almighty God. He can help us in our situations. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, so do not fear, he says, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When my neighbor comes over to help me with the car, Typically, it gets fixed. It gets fixed. Why? Because he gets cars. He's like me. He has one. Because his wisdom is greater than my wisdom when it comes to cars. And he knows what to do. And typically, it gets fixed. So why does Jesus, as our wonderful counselor, matter? today. Why does it matter? I mean, this was thousands of years ago. What's the big deal today? Well, the deal is this. We all need a counselor. (laughs) We all need a counselor. My emotional and mental health is often like my 100-foot extension cord. You know what? I wrap this thing up really nice, and I put it on the shelf, And inevitably, when I take it off and I plug it in and I start walking with the cord, it gets tangled up and I'm like, how? I mean, I wrapped it up so nicely. And I'm always like, you know, what in the world? Like if my wife hears me like, what in the world? She knows that I'm either wrestling with the extension cord or a garden hose, right? I don't know about, like, literally, two weeks ago, I just, like, literally said, somebody literally comes into my garage at night. It messes with my cords. I mean, I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. I just wrapped it so nicely. I set it on the ground so nicely. It should just roll out, right? But this extension cord is a picture of my mental health. I mean, it, it just seems to get tangled. I mean, it... it It seems like it just doesn't take much to get it tangled up and in a mess. And I think it's probably very similar to the rest of us as well, right? My emotional health, your emotional and and mental health is challenged. And it's challenged for a lot of people today. 
Fuller, Tory, and Judy Miller wrote in the book, The Invisible Plague, trying to help society recognize that emotional and mental health has reached an epidemic proportion in our country. But guess when this book was written? 2001, 20 years ago, they were already talking about this, you know, invisible plague. But yet today, people are talking about it more and more, you know, especially from the Olympics, right? And we had Simone Biles and Michael Phelps and that, and they're talking about mental health and the challenges. And it's sort of spread now through the country of like, hey, it's okay to talk about and to visit on. In their book, The Invisible Plague, they say, it would not be unreasonable to assume that if there is an increase in the percentage of people with mental illness in the general population, there will be corresponding increases within businesses, schools, healthcare, government, and the church as well. Right? In Chris Hodge's book, Out of the Cave, where he talks about the prophet Elijah and his wrestling with depression, he says this, shame about the dark thoughts swirling in your mind, guilt about how powerless you feel to overcome negative emotions, alternating bouts of sadness and numbness. You might be asking, should a Christian even be having these struggles? And he says, like, sure. Like, why not? We live in this world, right? I mean, mental health is the balance between the intellectual and the emotional parts of our body and all the things and forces that surround us. Of course, we as well are going to struggle in this area. And when it comes to emotional and mental health, depression is the number one health issue in our world today. Yet those who suffer are still sometimes stigmatized. And I think especially within the church, oh, you shouldn't have that issue, right? But we do. Why? Because we live in this world. You know, I typically categorize for myself depression in three ways. There's circumstantial depression, which is sort of like this single event that challenges our emotional and, and, and mental health. And it could be sort of like a, a death of a loved one. And you're walking now through this grieving process. And it, it just doesn't happen in a week or a month. I mean, it's this year-long and typically sometimes this lifelong process, right? But then there's what I call cumulative depression, which is sort of many events that happen uh, one after another over a certain period of time. You, you have an illness that you're struggling with, but then because of that, you end up losing your job. And because of the challenges in that, you end up losing a relationship over it. And you have this long stretch of one thing after another and that you know, cumulative impact of all these difficult things just weigh you down and take you out. And then there's another form of depression that I typically just talk about as complicated depression. 
You know, there's this just deep, deep depression that is so difficult, it seems to ever get out of. And there's this mystery with it that uh, we're all still trying to figure out, especially the professionals, right? And so each one of us in the room have experienced or are experiencing one of these three, I believe, whether it's just a circumstantial, cumulative, or maybe complicated wrestling with mental and emotional health in life. And many people around us assume God's peace, power, and protection should just prevent us from ever getting anxious or depressed or afraid, right? But it's not reality because we live in the world. And the Bible actually teaches otherwise, shares stories otherwise. We see depression in the Bible in leaders such as Job, Elijah, Naomi, Jonah, and David. And again, as I said, this book, Out of the Cave, is Elijah's story of his wrestling with depression. If we're honest in the room, we're challenged. We're all challenged, right? I'm challenged. I journal every day, and boy, I'm asking God, what is going on? And I'm wrestling with emotions and all that. And I've experienced not all three of these levels of depression, but certainly the first two, circumstantial and cumulative. And I remember back in 2006 to 2008, where two years of depression because of cumulative events that took place in my life. And it took me so long to crawl through it, to get through it, and to walk where I am today, but still in a wrestling. We're challenged. But this is why I love the Christmas season. Because it reminds me that God moved into my neighborhood. He's a wonderful counselor. He cares about my stuff and wants a relationship with me as his neighbor. But more than just a neighbor, the Savior for my life. That's Christmas. That's why I love it. Now, when it comes to this extension cord, right? I know some of you out there might be like, you know, why don't you just learn to like uh, wrap that thing up properly, right? Well, I know. I know I should learn to wrap it up properly so it doesn't get tangled. Or, you know, I should go to Menards and get a cord wrap, right? But I have to do it. I mean, my extension cord is like our mental health. We need to be willing to reach out to a neighbor. Hey, how do you wrap those babies so it doesn't untangle? We need to be willing to reach out to the neighbor when it comes to our mental health and start there with Jesus and talk to him about our tangled emotions, our thinking, and just let him have it and allow him to help us untangle it, to put it in order and work at keeping it there. 
You know, if we want to maintain a strong and active mental health, we need to fight for it. That's what Chris Hodges talks about in the book, Out of the Cave. We need to fight for it. But we don't need to fight alone. Why? Because the wonderful counselor has moved into our neighborhood. Emmanuel. God with us. And he invites us to be in relationship with him and to come to him. So let me close with Matthew 11, 28, 29. Jesus says, as our neighbor, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so let's this Christmas season enjoy our neighbor, the wonderful counselor, Jesus, and come to him. Walk across our lawn and visit with him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are not a God of distance, but you are a God who is near, who cares for us and loves us who is wonderful and a counselor. And so I pray we would come before you because you intentionally moved in next door to us to be in relationship with us as our wonderful counselor. In your holy name, amen.